0: To this day, my mom still has word finding difficulty when she's okay. really tired. And my mm-hmm. brother and my dad will be like, just get it out, mm-hmm. just say it. And that just adds more stress to the person. And then everybody gets frustrated. So just giving that extra wait time even if it's frustrating to you it's helpful to them which then decreases their stress and frustration which in the end will decrease your frustration and just being supportive and being helpful in any way that you can if you see they're having a hard time just say go sit down i'll take care of it and just adding that extra support even if you have a lot going on because you didn't go through what they went through Hey there,
1: and welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. My name is Benita Litvak, and I am so grateful you're here. I'm an ASHA-certified speech-language pathologist, author, and augmentative and alternative communication consultant who is obsessed with helping SLPs like you stop reinventing the wheel and connect with other SLPs in the trenches. Have you ever wondered how other SLPs seem to be doing it all with ease? Well. Around here, you'll get to hear firsthand how SLPs are really getting things done while keeping evidence-based practice and self-care in mind. Think of this as a coffee date with your SLP friends. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while we learn together. So we are on ASHA, this is day three, right? Yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's just flying by. It's I'm okay. so tired, are you tired? I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's really exhausting. What has been the best part of it so far for you?
0: Just interacting with all the people you talk to on social media and learning about new products and seeing new demonstrations and learning about the different forces have always been so interesting to me and just meeting new people. I know, that's the best part,
1: right? Yeah especially after COVID and it's been a couple of years. It's just nice to see people in person and their faces. Yes, yes I agree. So I've got Rachel Zucos yeah.
0: with me. And Rachel, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm from the Hudson Valley, New York. I have been an SLP for, this is my fifth year. Oh. I work in a school for kids with special needs and a medical private practice after school. I grew up doing... Dance and martial arts and just being very active. I had speech as a kid. My brother had speech mm-hmm. as a kid. So it's always been in my life. Mm-hmm. And now just being able to do what people did for my brother and I has been so rewarding. And it's nice to be on the other side of the table.
1: Yeah. And then you can empathize because you knew what worked for you, what yeah. didn't work. So why were you in t Are you open to sharing
0: it? Absolutely. So when I was younger, it was just regular art And then in college, actually, my freshman year, I went for an extra credit assignment at the school grad clinic and they were oh, you have a distorted R. And I was no one's ever told me that before. And they put me through the grad school clinic with a graduate clinician. And I did a research study at Syracuse University for biofeedback. And then I went to the private practice that I actually work at now as a patient. To fix the distorted R mm-hmm. and now you wouldn't know where are you from I don't think that we got to that so I'm from Orange County New York okay so right by West Point about an hour and a half north of the city
1: is it distorted or is it a cultural
0: R they said it was distorted <laughs> okay I don't know anything about R we need Lindsay Burns
1: yes. on here to clarify yes. that but it, it makes me wonder because we're in Boston yes. right I, I almost said that with a, with an accent <laughs> And one of our stickers and our button says, Wicked Smart SLP. Yes. My VA, Nicole, is from Boston and she, it should be "Smart." And I was, I know, and you're from here. So if you say it's okay, that's cool. But I didn't want to offend anybody or have anybody say it's like cultural appropriation. Absolutely. So we didn't do "Smart," but
0: it's, you know, you can't, do kids actually get referred for art therapy in Boston? So it's so funny because my friends and I were actually just talking about that at breakfast. Yeah. Because. One of my friends said, what about when you give the Goldman Cristo, and right. you have a kid that, let's say, moves from Boston to New York, to them, it's appropriate. Right. But to us, it's not appropriate. And it's part of their identity. Exactly. And it's just a part of their dialect. But right. to us, it's not right. Yeah. And we were like, well, there's a part on the gifted that talks about dialects. Yeah. But it's- I-
1: I think it's up to the, at that point, it's probably up to the client up to the parents, the family, right? I agree.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm glad our field is kind of moving more towards just letting people be who they are and stop, you know, pathologizing. Yes. Everyone.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So I know you said you went into speech therapy. Your brother went into speech therapy.
0: Was there any other reason you got into speech? Yes. So my senior year of high school, my mom was diagnosed with a grade two meningioma brain tumor. And after she had the tumor removed, she had speech, OT, PT, the whole thing in rehab and at home. And I had known I wanted to go into speech, but this was the solidifying factor for me, just watching what it did for her post-surgery and watching what it did for her post-rehab. And even now, it was life-changing for her. Also being on the caregiver aspect of it. It was just amazing to watch seeing my mom pre-tumor and then during, and then post was just, I don't even know how to describe it, but it just made me wanna be able to help families that way. And I always said I wanted nothing to do with neuro because of my personal experience. And then I observed at a rehab hospital in college, and they put me on the neuro floor <laughs> and I was them. I was, look, I have this personal trauma. You know, I don't really know how this is going to go. And the supervisor said, if you need to walk out, just walk out. Okay. And I instantly fell in love with it. Oh. So it was uh, calling for you. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. I have a phone <laughs> Yes. And my mom to this day says to me, she gets different when it's not personally related to you. Right. And I've had so many adult patients come and I've been able to say to them, look, I don't just understand it from a provider perspective. I also understand it from a personal perspective and it's just helped them feel more comfortable to open up and really tell me how they're feeling. And I can tell them, you know, what helped my mom, what helped us as a family, being able to support their family members has been really, really helpful for not only me, but also The patient and their family i'm sure that's amazing so how's your mom now is she is it called in remission i'm not sure so luckily it wasn't cancerous oh good thank goodness she still follows up with her neurologist and she has some other health stuff going on but luckily no reoccurrence of the tumor. Yay. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. That's yes. amazing.
1: So if you could give SLPs two to three tips when they're working with families, I don't know, not that they might not think about, but just from the
0: familial side, what are some things that SLP should keep in mind? Maybe more of the counseling piece. Absolutely. So I know in my family, so I have a younger brother, he's four years younger than me. And then my mom and my dad, and To this day, my mom still has word-finding difficulty when she's really tired. And my brother and my dad will be like, just get it out. Mm -hmm. Just say it. And that just adds more stress to the person. And then everybody gets frustrated. So just giving that extra wait time, even if it's frustrating to you, it's helpful to them, which then decreases their stress and frustration, which in the end will decrease your frustration and just being supportive and being helpful in any way that you can. If you see they're having a hard time, just say, go sit down. I'll take care of it. And just adding that extra support, even if you have a lot going on because you didn't go through what they went through. Right. And I imagine
1: your clients have a these stages of grief. Not only are you working with the diagnosis, but with that emotional aspect as well. So do you look at the stages of grief
0: at all when you're starting with a client? I do. So in the private practice that I work in, it's myself and a couple other SLPs. Mm -hmm. So we all see all the patients and we all have different outlooks and different ways of treating the patients, Mm -hmm. which is great because certain ways benefit each patient better than others. Yeah. And one patient specifically that I can think of, he to this day is very upset about pre accident and pre TBI. Mm-hmm. And I just say, I'm like, you know, I don't mean this to be offensive or this is not a big deal, but I always try to look at it as it could be worse. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that it's not. And once I explained that to him, he had a whole new outlook on mm-hmm. his situation. And he was, like, you know what? You're right. My life is different, but it could be so much worse. And I'm still here and I can still do A, B, and C. It's just a little harder. Yeah. But at least I can do it. Yeah, that makes sense. And then we talk about those different stages and how it's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to feel upset. And some days are harder than others for yourself, for your family, for your friends, but you will get through it as a team. Mm -hmm. And we're as providers here to help you with whatever you need. And I always tell them that even if we're not in session and something happens and you really need us, we're here to help you. Right.
1: Yeah. It's more than just their speech therapist. You're there for them. Exactly. Emotionally and what have to, to support that. I imagine there's a sense of loss. Yeah. If they have a TBI or stroke, any uh, acquired condition, yeah. right? Where they grieve the loss of their previous life. Yes. So that makes sense that he would feel that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're validating their feelings. Totally understandable that you would yes. be frustrated and that, you know, it's harder to do things now than it was before.
0: Yes. And I feel like validating their feelings is one of the biggest things because people that don't understand the situation just are like, oh, whatever. And then just kind of blow it off. And yeah. then that doesn't help right the patient and how they're feeling. So everybody needs that validation. And no matter what's going on in their life, and especially in a situation that that validation is so, so important. Yeah. And even as clinicians, we need validation. Yeah. So imagine how they would be feeling if they have to completely relearn everything they used to know how to do. Exactly. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And I watched my mom go through it and I can't even imagine having to go through it myself. Right, right.
1: So what does your caseload look right now?
0: Sure. So I work in a school for kids with special needs, K through 21. Okay. And I work in our medically fragile program. And I am with K through fifth grade. And I have all medically fragile children, mostly nonverbal. I have 10 kids on my caseload. More than half of them have devices. So most of them have touch chat. And then at the private practice, it's EI through geriatrics. So anywhere from 18 months to 80s, 90s. So you are seeing a whole range. Yes. (laughs) Wow,
1: that's amazing. And
0: I've been at both jobs since my CF. Okay. Wow. You love it. I love it. That's amazing. Are they both part time? No. So the school is full time. Okay. And then the private practice is part time. So I, I do, as of right now, I do two days after school, and then one Saturday a month. Wow. Yes. That's a lot. And we do
1: in-person and telehealth. But you love it. I do love it. That's amazing. I do love it. So you have kids who are non-speaking on your caseload. Many of them have AAC devices. Any of them have alternative access? I know you have medically fragile. So
0: last, not this year, but the previous two years, I had one student who was in a wheelchair, couldn't, had a lot of involuntary movements with his arms and his legs. But you could tell how he felt by his facial expressions. And I love this boy to death. That's my favorite
1: population. Cerebral palsy. Yes. So
0: he doesn't have cerebral palsy. Okay. Off the top of my head, I don't remember his exact diagnosis. But he was actually typically developing and then had a seizure. And um, they didn't get to the hospital in time. So, but you would tell by his facial expressions. And- you would know if he's happy, and you would know if he's not. So I spoke to our AT specialist at my school, and we tried textured switches with him. Okay. We used jelly bean switches, and then we just put soft and hard Velcro. Okay. And we saw which texture he liked better, and we would try different things on the Velcro, and that worked for him. Which one did he go with, the soft or the hard? I it depended on his mood. Okay. <laughs> so we would try both in the beginning of the session, mm-hmm. and then. Some days it would be completely hand over hand, but he loves music, specifically kids Bop. And there was a couple songs that he just loved. And if he would hear the song and I would stop it, he would, he's also legally blind. So we don't really know what his vision status Mm -hmm. is, but if he would turn his head towards the computer or if I would shut the music off, he would cry and he would not be very happy with me. And then I would turn it back on and I would touch the switch and say, I want more music. And he would get the biggest smile on his face and start laughing. And it was just the sweetest thing ever. What yeah, that sounds like a tough case. You had the visual
1: difficulties, the motoric difficulties. So yeah. it's nice that you guys were able to work together. You and the assistive technology specialist yeah. find an access method that would work for him.
0: Yes, yeah. and that's the thing about the school that I work in. We have a lot of students. Mm -hmm. with a lot of different medical diagnoses rare medical diagnoses I have a bunch of students with diagnoses I never heard of until I had them on my caseload wow and you just have to adapt to what they need Mm -hmm. and you have to work with OT and PT and we are lucky enough to have vision services Mm -hmm. and we all just have to work together as a team and decide what's best for that student and this year I'm actually in a shared office so it's myself another SLP and, and two vision therapists mm-hmm. so the other day I had a student and I was I don't know if they're visually tracking this right what do you think I should do and the vision therapist came like watched 5 minutes of my session and she was oh here you go like use this and the next session it was great
1: Yay. so it's That's nice amazing. to just
0: have those Other specialties right at the tip of our fingers, like OT is right next door. That's awesome. And it's just so helpful.
1: Yeah, I know. I know it's hard for SLPs when they don't have access to occupational therapists or other disciplines, but I feel like what you're saying, the biggest takeaway when you're working with kids who are medically fragile or have those rare diagnoses, you can't possibly know every single disorder, but- You can collaborate with other professionals to help those kiddos. Exactly. You don't have to know
0: everything. Oh, no. And I've learned eye gaze from working there. I did an eye gaze trial my second or third year there with a student. And there's just so many different types of communication that I didn't learn about in school. And working here, I've learned about them. And I never would have learned about them if I didn't work in this school. It's amazing. It's so rewarding. And just seeing... and. Even if the kids don't make a lot of progress, it's rewarding to see the progress that they oh, yeah. do make. Mm-hmm. I had a kid the other day say his first word. Or last year I had a girl for two years and her mom was Rachel. I just want her to say mommy. Aww. All she says is daddy. I just want her to say mommy. And we got her to say mommy. And the mom cried. Aww. And it's just so rewarding to see those changes. I had a student last year with Down syndrome get touch chat and her whole demeanor changed and she was making jokes and she was having conversations with people. And her mom was like, I can actually communicate with my daughter now. Right. Or at the private practice I work at, I'm in the middle of getting a patient, a device. And she immediately started imitating me with touch chat. And the mom started crying in our session. She took a video for her husband Aww. and she was, I can't believe she's talking. This is amazing. And it made me cry. I went home and cried to my mom. I was, It's just so rewarding to be able to help people in these ways because you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You don't know how hard it is for these families or these caregivers or even these kids and what they're going through. Because. You're not going through it yourself, but just to be a small part of helping them is the most rewarding thing to me. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: I can see why you love your job. You're very passionate about it. And I think the biggest takeaway um, from this is that we need to make sure that we're not setting the bar too high for our clients and we're not making goals that are not meaningful. For the family. It sounds, even just saying mama was a really big deal. And it didn't matter how long you worked on it with this client. We worked on it for two years.
0: And I was, I don't care if it takes the whole two school years. Right. We will get this. Yeah. And we did. Yeah.
1: Because it's like what does the client and their family want not what do we want for them in therapy so it's just a good reminder to check in with the family and the clients especially in the school system like have some way to contact and not going off assessments not going off developmental norms yeah you know i know people depending on what insurance you're working with you don't have a lot of Choice in that matter, but you can still make it functional.
0: Oh, absolutely. And my friends and I were just talking about that this morning because at the school I work with, a lot of our kids can't be standardized tests. Right. And we have to go based off of informal assessment or we use a standardized test, but we can't score it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just have to do what's best for the student. And, you know, we're only with them during the school day or at the private practice one to two times a week, but the families are with them all the time mm-hmm. and you need to do what's going to help them the most. Yeah. And a big thing for me is open communication with the families mm-hmm. because I remember I still talk to my brother's EI. speech pathologist. It's funny because my parents always joke. My dad always says, Oh, if you talk to her, tell her, he doesn't stop talking now <laughs> and she was always so open with my parents and my grandma and my uncle my whole family was involved and i feel like the more family that's involved yeah the better, better because also. when we were younger my uncle and my grandma watched us when my parents were at work so they knew everything that was going on in my brother's ei sessions mm-hmm. so that way they could do it also and we see that luckily with a lot of our patients and we have such good families and, you know, some families can't do that. And that's not always in their control, mm-hmm. but just supporting them however they need. Mm-hmm. And each family's different in what they need. And that's okay.
1: Yeah, that's true. Oh, amazing. Anything else you want to share
0: before we, uh, I guess a big thing in the last five years for me with working two jobs. So I started both jobs two days after I graduated. Oh my goodness. I didn't really give myself a break. So (laughs) work-life balance was honestly a thing I haven't really started doing until the last year. Right. So just to, you know, new SLPs or anything like that, definitely go towards your goals and follow your dreams. But also you need to just how you cut your parents slack and you cut your colleagues slack, you need to cut yourself some slack. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've struggled with the last couple of years. So- I'm working on it. And I just, I tell all of our CFs or new employees at the school, you know, it's okay. Don't stress yourself out about things you can't control. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in our field that unfortunately we can't control and we just have to be okay with that. And I know personally, I'm very type A and I'm a very big perfectionist. A lot of SLPs are. And I am going to say a lot of SLPs are. So just, you know, doing the best we can every day because what I'm learning is the more you help yourself, the better you can help your patients, your students, your families, and that's what they need. And that's in the end what you really need. That's what our jobs are. Right. And you have to help yourself before you can help anybody else. Totally. So
1: amazing.
0: So where can everybody find and connect with you? You can find me at my new speech Instagram, Rachel Z, the SLP. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you for having me. I love the podcast. So this is so cool. Mm -hmm.
1: I am thank you for supporting it. Thank of you for agreeing course. to come on. Yes. Thank you for having me. You. Well, maybe we'll have you back on
0: again. Absolutely. This was so fun. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Yes. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for listening. By the way, have you joined the SSU crew yet? By joining, you get access to the free goods section on our website, plus podcast updates, special event notifications, and therapy inspiration. You can sign up at bit.ly slash join SSU crew, all lowercase, or just find the link in this episode description. Also, don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode so that you can always refer back to it and share it on social media. If you really love the topic, take care and remember to always fill your speechy side cup first before you can pour into others.